Welcome to Across the Desk with Elizabeth Plouffe. Today, my guest is James Birchall. Um, long time, long time friend now. Yes. Long time friend now, three, four years, something like that. That's yes. longish in these days and age. Yeah, definitely. Um, so Across the Desk, the focus is on businesses, small businesses, and entrepreneurs who are in the Halton region. And the goal is to profile not only the businesses and, and that entrepreneur or uh, owner's journey, but what services and outcomes people can expect when they work with that service. So, welcome, James. Thank you very much for having me. You're very, very welcome. Thank you for fixing my podcast setup and being patient with my technical challenges. Not a problem. Happy to serve. <laughs> that would be an outcome that people could expect. No, that would be sarcasm. <laughs> that would be another outcome that people could expect. <laughs> but in the nicest, most constructive way. Absolutely. So, um... We're going to start off with something that I'm sure will um, resonate strongly with James, which is, what did you want to be growing up? Um, actually, I was talking to a friend about this recently. Uh, I was recounting the fact that in England, where I grew up, uh, we had, um, I guess they call them um, career days. And at the time, um, sadly, I, I wasn't able to go to the career day of my parents. So I had to go on my own. Oh. Yes, I know. So. Get the, get the violins out. <laughs> so I went to the career counselling uh, day on my own, and I had a pretty clear idea what I wanted to be when I was... Uh, shut off. Oh, buggers. Okay, keep going. So I had a pretty clear idea what I wanted to be when I grew up, and as weird as it sounds, I actually wanted to be a stuntman. Um, I'd been it inspired... It sound weird, knowing you the way I know you. Uh, true, but I, um, I was inspired by Dar Robinson, uh, Canadian. He jumped off the CN Tower. Didn't he... F- Flip into a big bag or something. That was in the 70s or something, yeah, was wasn't it? was in the it? 70s. I remember that. Yeah, he jumped off the CN Tower. Crazy and I actually, I actually wanted to be a high fall stuntman. I wanted to jump off tall buildings. I did actually get to do that. Were you born with an S on your chest that I'm not aware of? Or? No, no. Apparently I bounced quite well. <laughs> As we are wont to do. I haven't broken... Well, actually, that's not true. I've broken one bone. I broke my thumb with a hammer. So I, I don't... that really counts as I don't stunt. do uh, home improvements anymore. <laughs> Which wasn't on your list of what you wanted to be when you grew up anyway. I did so not want to be a carpenter. You not want to be. So why would you want to be a stuntman? That's really cool. Uh, the reason I wanted to be a stuntman was um, I'd done a lot of gymnastics and swimming. And I know those that know me uh, would laugh because they think I'm fairly un, um, unphysical. I don't generally like exercise and sports. But back then, I was very much into um, a lot of sporting activities. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, sword fighting, martial arts... Uh, horseback riding, motorbike riding, pretty much anything that could successfully kill me. I was usually quite enthralled with trying to master it. So you're like Bruce Lee with a British accent and a beard. Uh, yeah, well, back then I was. Um, and yeah, I used to uh, uh, I used to like throwing myself uh, off things and tumbling and rolling. A bit like parkour. I mean, I love watching parkour videos now because the way they move. Um, but back then, uh, no, I just like diving off shit, basically. Excuse my French. <laughs> <laughs> that was decidedly English, but move on. Yeah. Um, okay, so you're looking at your career options as a 20-something in Bristol, and you go career man, and, or stuntman, sorry. And then you think, you know, I'm pretty good with words. Mm-hmm. So then there's actually, I know, a bit of a, not a gap, but a building block to this, because the other thing that I'm sure most people do know about you, other than you like to jump off things, is that you're really good with technology. And that was a huge part of your career for a little while. It was. A little uh, while of 20 years, but yeah. Well, I got my first computer when I was, um, I got access to my first computer when I was seven. Um, and I sold my first piece of software that I wrote when I was nine. Um, I got my first completely my own computer, I think when I was about eight or nine years old. Um, and I started programming. I had a, a sort of a natural penchant for programming. Actually, I found... And that I found, actually was French. That was French, yeah. <laughs> I actually found um, uh, programming, um, and this is going to sound slightly, um, oh, I don't know, conceited perhaps, but I found the languages of computers at the time really rather uh, limiting. So I went straight from some of the high-level compiled languages such as BASIC and Pascal, uh, and I thought, well, this is silly, and I learned machine code. So I actually started programming in ones and zeros, which is the base language that all computers work in. Binary code. Binary code. So I started writing um, pages See, and pages and pages, ones and zeros. And I wrote video games back in the day, and I sold 
video games back in what would that been? That would have been the um, the late seventies and early eighties. Atari. Um, yes, yes, and Amstrad and Amiga and Commodore and all those cool uh, uh, cool computers. And I even ended up writing an operating system for the uh, school computer lab that I was at at the time. But while all this was going on, uh, my parents moved around a lot. My dad was a civil engineer, a quantity surveyor, and um, uh, again with the uh, violin uh, overtones, didn't get to make too many friends because I was moving every six to eight months. We were slightly antisocial as well. So. Yeah, there was that. Yeah. So I, um, I did a lot, of, uh, a lot of writing and a lot of drawing. And when I finally got to settle down a bit, um, I finished my uh, high school and college years doing fine art, graphic design, computer science, psychology, and about eight other different um, disciplines. I went to a private school, a bit like Harry Potter's private school. If you think, um, yeah, if you think Hogwarts, that's pretty much what it looked like. Cool. Yeah, it was. <laughs> a Harry Potter geek, I'm having a moment, but it's yeah, okay. Well, we had graffiti that was, was older than some countries have been founded, you know. I think uh, 1400s, I think my school was founded. What was the name of it? Bristol Grammar School. There was only two really, really old schools in, in Bristol, which was the southwest of England. There was Clifton Boys School, which were our, our, our hated rivals. And um, used to... Uh, see, I never played rugby for very long. I did for a bit, but I kept getting knocked unconscious. <laughs> I wasn't a very big kid. I was fast, and I bounced, hence the stunt. So you'd be stuff. a good seeker. I was fast. I was what was known as a fly half. I was the guy on the far side of the, uh, far side of the pitch. The ball in rugby would come out to the outside and if I wanted to live to survive the game I had to stay away from the thugs who were chasing down the field hell bent on um, shall Ripping we say r- rendering me unconscious so I'd get the ball and run like the wind didn't do that for very long um, got tired of being uh, as I say not unconscious apparently brain cells don't recover too well from that and I needed them so um, I focused on the arts and painting and I actually graduated college with a fine art and graphic design um, uh, sort of a training set under my belt, along with computer science. Entered the career working world in 1985 or 86 and was offered a job within an first three or four days. Um, I was offered a job as a graphic designer and I was offered a job as a computer programmer for a small company that some people may have heard of, Oracle. I have heard of Oracle. Yes, I actually met Larry Ellison before he was God. You know, he's very well known now, but back then he was he was uh, just a regular guy. He was still, a, he had an aura about him, as they say back then. An aura of the oracle. Yes, the oh. aura of the oracle. I know. Playing with words again, folks. Um, that would be while we lead into your what you do now. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I, I stuck in the tech field, though, um, and that was my, you know, if you ever got my business card from me back then, it was... I was a sort of programmer initially, then a systems analyst, and then you know, senior this, senior that, all the way up to vice president when I got my butt over into Canada, where you have all these different titles. Mm-hmm. But over in England, I was a managing director, which is the equivalent of your president and CEO over here. Um, okay. But all the way through this, I'd been writing, and I'd been writing under a pen name. Uh, so I was a uh, published author um, at 13. So I published software at 9, published author at 13. Um, and I'd been sort of keeping that uh, particular set of skills um, alive and kicking. Uh, long story short, fast forward, um, 2000, you know, the Y2K bug and everything else, I was managing a large team of programmers, and the world was being outsourced, and I went from being very well paid to someone in a far-off land doing a fraction of what I was doing for... Also getting paid... Pennies on the dollar. Yeek. And um, I, uh, in a perfect storm, life uh, got dropped into a blender, and... Fate hit frappe, and uh, after so that... So your circus and your monkeys got a good... Yeah, they all got a good workout. So um, in 2000, I, I quit uh, being someone else's um, uh, monkey, was it you just said? Yeah, I quit, sure. I quit being an employee. Lackey, monkey. Lackey, yeah. Although I did actually enjoy what I was doing. And I thought, nuts to this whole tech lark, I'm actually going to focus on the other string in my bow, or whatever, my quiver, or whatever. And um, I started leading with the, with the writing and the communications. Cool, and that would be when Business Fusion Marketing came into? Yes, I needed a, I needed a name that sounded fairly cool and somewhat confusing. And uh, <laughs> I, yeah, I picked Business Fusion and Marketing because it was, um, as, as the name denotes, a mixture of all things. And I actually entered the business field um, as a copywriter because I, I'm a trained copywriter. 
I'm actually a trained multidisciplinary uh, writer, everything from fiction. Um, uh, something I like to say is I was actually trained in fiction first. I got my diploma from the London School of Writing, London, England, not London, Ontario. And, Although uh, no dissing to London, Ontario. Nothing there, Great but place. I don't believe they have a, a writing school. Um, well, they do have a, a small thing called Western. Uh, that might have a writing program or two in there, might, you know, just... Yeah, <laughs> just a small one, yeah. yeah. But, um... Um, I've lost my thread. Um, hold on. <laughs> you it'll, pick it back up. It'll pick it back up. London School of Writing. Fiction writing. That's where you started. Right. I started fiction writing. I think one of us is paying attention. Yeah. Fiction writing. And then somebody asked me to write a business plan. And I thought, what a perfect parallel. I mean, most business plans are a straight work of fiction. So I actually was able to jump from one to the other. And um, I was able to get paid very well as a business plan writer mm-hmm. and helped raise millions and millions of dollars for my clients at the time. Excellent. Which is always a good outcome to have. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, it, um, it, 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 it was encouraging and kind of fun. I mean, I've been doing business writing all through my career as a tech, in, in the tech world, but um, it was just nice to get paid, a, you know, five figures to write somebody a business plan. That's always sweet. I know, sweet. Um, but yes, uh, copywriting and communications, helping people express themselves. And that's sort of where I've been uh, for the last... Well, 16 years now, since it's January 2016. It is, which is crazy, all by itself. I'm surprised I've survived this long. I don't, I'm not, but okay. So, so that's questions one and two. So we know about that, which is fantastic. And then out of business fusion marketing, because when I met you, um, you had just launched, and what was that, 2012? 2000, are you talking about the networking? I'm going to get to that, because oh, okay. when I met you, that's part of what it was through, because I was working with Hall Tech. Right. Um, and there were a variety of, of projects, and that's where you introduced me to the Social Fusion Network. Yes. Um, because part of my job for Hall Tech was, of course, going out and creating networking opportunities and getting people involved with Hall Tech and what have you. And so at the time, the Social Fusion Network was under one incarnation mm-hmm. and ended up being such a fan um, that <laughs> he got a bit of a giggle on his face um i opened up my own social fusion network mm-hmm. chapter under health which was awesome but it's undergone a transformation i was gonna say metamorphosis but they both mean the same thing yes it's evolved it did evolve mm-hmm. so it's back after a little hiatus which is really nice to see and yes. so yeah. what's happening now with the because i know a huge part and you know i mean obviously you know this but a huge part for any business owner is an opportunity to get out into the community, meet not only other business owners, but regular public who might be in need of your services. Yes, I mean, most small businesses, um, I can't remember or cite the exact source, um, but it was something along the lines of 82% of all new business for small businesses comes from face-to-face in-person networking. Hmm. Now... Most small businesses sort of instinctively understand the value of networking. Well, they might understand the value, but putting it into practice is... Well, it's hard. And more importantly, um, there are lots of organizations um, that have existed, in some cases for up to 100 years, that charge you for the privilege of talking to each other. And I have a particular problem with that. Um, I don't believe that you should be charged to speak with each other. And if you follow the, um, the general, uh, generally accepted wisdom, uh, that is you need to be part of about five networks in your area to mm-hmm. fully maximize your chances of meeting all the necessary players. Well, if the average network costs you 300 to $500 to be a member of their Scooby gang, you're looking at 1500 bucks minimum. Eas- easily. Easily. More like probably close to two, two and a half. We're also not including the fact that when you go to these events, you usually buy not oh. only a drink, well, yes. but maybe a drink for somebody else, and maybe dinner after. And charge you to attend. So yeah. you, you get to pay to be a member, then you have to pay to attend, and then you have to pay, 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 pay. Now, yeah. if you're a small business, and here's that the other... hurts the pocketbook. Well, here's the scary thing. I ran a, I ran an, a report analysis um, last year, because I had a feeling this was true, and I, I mean, I just wanted to check. And what I found out is that um, 80% of the small businesses I knew, and uh, you know, I'm not trying to sort of reveal too much, but most of them make less than $100,000 a year. My hand is raised. Right? And I almost fell out of my chair when I, I heard that. Um, 
this whole breaking the six-figure barrier is, it turns out this is a big deal. I was speaking to companies that had invested tens of thousands of dollars in equipment. They were paying, um, you know, paying rent for offices. And in some cases, they had up to two staff, maybe part-time, maybe one full-time, plus mm -hmm. themselves. Mm -hmm. And they were making, from what I understand, less than $100,000 a year. And that's gross revenue. That's gross. That's not even take home. Well, it is kind of gross. <laughs> it, gross? I was practically spitting bullets. And I thought, this is obscene. Um, you know, it's... And the reason it's obscene, you know, and I'm not trying to sort of, you know, boast or brag, and I generally don't get into this sort of stuff, but I've been sort of... I'm a lazy entrepreneur. I like to work part-time. I mean, I do put well, in... I mean, I beg to differ I, on that, because somebody came up to me at a networking event and said... Um, but it looks like I work hard. I use technology. Yeah. I'm, I leverage my time. I mean, you know, I'm sitting here with you today. It's in the mm -hmm. middle of the afternoon. It's a work day. I'm supposed to be, if you were looking at me normally, you'd be like, well, why isn't he at work? Well, well this is This is work. play. Well, thanks. No, no, it, it is. It's play. <laughs> this is what we need to do more of, quite frankly. But, yeah. um, so I, I mean, I tell people I'm a bit of a lazy entrepreneur. It's not that I don't work hard. Mm -hmm. It's just that I, I like to work smart, something my dad sort of, uh, you know, I guess introduced me to when I was quite young the idea of you know you don't need to work 40 or 60 hours a week you know the concept of working hard and getting results is definitely it's proven but you can actually work differently um, you know, so, well I guess that's sort of Tim Ferriss's well it's also the Pareto principle I mean I tested it I mean when I was managing uh, staff I would regularly um, play around with the hours and play mm -hmm. around with productivity I'm a I'm a huge fan of productivity um, and, and making sure that you maximize what you get from the time you invest. And one of the things I learned very early on is work expands to fill the time allotted to it. So if you give yourself eight hours, you're going to work for about eight hours. Give yourself four hours, you'll get the same work done. True. Now, there are certain things True. where you can't speed it up. I mean, a tree grows at the same speed, regardless of how enthusiastic right. you are. But I, I, will, I will confess that I work better and am more productive with less time to get things done. And I spend, you know... I, I deliver on time, and I usually deliver ahead of schedule. Right. But if, as an employee, yes, I, I tended to because I got everything done quickly. That, if that's given, actually a punishment because then you get more work. I was okay with that, honestly. Which would probably I know a weird face, but that's usually what made me look like a a, a heine kisser. But it wasn't that I. Well, you was, enjoyed what you were doing. I enjoyed what I was doing, yeah. and I would rather be active and busy and producing something. Yeah than filling my time with useless stuff. Like Facebook. Like Facebook. <laughs> Minesweeper. Anybody remember Minesweeper back in the day? I, you know what I used to love? What was the game? And it had I used to delete it from Caterpillar. I used to delete it. I was in charge of all the computers, so we'd install them all in the offices, and then I would have my techs remove every game from Windows. Because yes. it was a productivity killer. Yeah, I actually put a block on for when I was working from home, and that was my biggest... It's one of the reasons I hated working from home. Mm. Um, I used to put a block. There's a software that you can install, mm -hmm. and it blocks Facebook and, and all your your mind-numbing Now we just, just pull the Cat5 cable out of the back or turn off the Wi-Fi. Well, see, now I'm the president, so you know if somebody catches me on my Facebook, then what are they going to do? <laughs> That's true. But that actually makes it because you, you know, not that you have that mentality, and that sounds so awful, but because you have that freedom... You really have you to be much more be disciplined, disciplined. Yeah. about not allowing that to happen. Yep. Because just because you can doesn't mean you should. No. And if you work more productively in a six-hour day, yep. then schedule yourself as an entrepreneur, depending on, you know, I have a, because I've got two businesses, one of them, yes, I can do eight hours of work in four hours, and it's not a problem. Mm -hmm. With my business center, well, I have to be here from nine to five. Right. So I'm here for eight hours. What am I going to do with that time? Do I find myself occasionally foraying onto Facebook? Naturally, but that's called um, research. Yes. <laughs> that's it. It's research. I like that. And People Magazine, is that research too? Absolutely. Awesome. You're studying uh, market trends. Oh, I like that. Remember, I'm in marketing. I can spin pretty much anything. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna move on. Well, actually, are you are you used to productivity? You well, I don't, yeah, I don't need to sort of chatter about that. I was it was the um, it was the six figure thing, yeah, um, and that became a that became a sort of a I guess a motivator for me when I realized that there were so many people out there. See, I've been breaking six figures for 
Yeah, yeah. A while. Be, that'd be bragging. Yeah, that thing we were talking about before. I know, and um, and that could just I, me being jealous. And I, yeah, well, it's, I don't talk about it because I don't want. Because, like I said, those that see me goofing off, they like, how is it that you break six figures and you don't work anywhere near as hard as I do? And I said, well, first of all, hard to judge. What you see is not reality. I mean, I, for instance, true, but you've also I been doing up. this for seventeen years, so you've true. You get better at it. And by the way, that's the other thing you were talking about working hours. Just a bit of a segue here. I don't like paying people for time. It rewards poor behavior. True, because they'll take longer to accomplish something potentially. I would rather say to somebody, look, do you know what you're doing? Yes, great. Okay, how much do you think, uh, you know, whatever, estimate, give me a price, I'll pay you. If it takes you two seconds to get it done, I don't care. I just want what I want. I do not need to see you sitting there for four hours so I can feel good about it. I don't care. In fact, if you can give me the work inside five minutes... And I'll pay you the fee, whatever the fee was. We're good, which is one of the reasons why I like pay for performance. Which yeah, is why agreed. when the, when you're sort of when you're master of your own fate or mistress of your own fate. Thank you. Yes, I we, don't are, know, we I, are equal opportunity. Images of leather boots came to mind. For some <laughs> We're not that kind of podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> not <But> yet. <laughs> that could be a whole other. It's going to start running the late night show. Yeah. <laughs> Across the desk, late version. <laughs> no, 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 no. Rated that, R version. That brings images to mind. Oh, we don't James, need that one. I can't edit this. Keep going. No, no, no. it's okay. We're going to keep it PG friendly. Moving on. PG, yes. Um, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it was it was really all about managing you know managing time. So that was by you know circling back around. I decided that since most small businesses are struggling at the best of times, and they would have needed to pony up somewhere close to maybe twenty five hundred bucks, and they're making less than say a hundred thousand dollars in many cases between sixty and eighty, yeah. that's huge. It's not a reasonable expense. No, so I thought um, nuts to this. <clears throat> Actually, didn't think that, but I'm not going to repeat it on the radio. That's PG on the on the podcast. Um, and so I decided to make it free, uh, and I started to do something um, that no one else had done before, and. That in itself is another story altogether, but it became quite popular. It did, and I mean, it was, I really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. It was my. It was also in the middle of my transition from, and we've talked about this before, from E to E. So I began networking with Social Fusion Network as an employee. Mm-hmm. So I was there on behalf of Haltech, and, and that was really easy because I could just, you know, push the party line for the organization. I knew what my message was. The buck stopped with somebody else up above me. Mm-hmm. Um, so the networking was really different. And it was during that time that I transitioned from employee to entrepreneur and had to continue networking. Still had you know, a relationship with Social Fusion Network. So I started going to the events as an entrepreneur. The fantastic thing about being able to go with no pressure, mm-hmm. not having to pay and what have you... Um, especially as the owner of, of two startups, is that it also gives you an opportunity to work on your pitch. That's a really important point. It was. and Well, during... So I'm going to backtrack for a second because mm-hmm. this comes back to something. So I was at a networking event when I was working for Haltech and ran into this horrific networker who shall remain nameless, but inspired me by the end of the evening to go, wow. First of all, I felt so bad for this person because as a small business owner how you network is just as important as how often and where and with whom and this person was doing themselves no service by the oh, they way- were memorable absolutely but not in a positive way that i'd go hey i'd like to do business with you it was more like holy mother stinker i am gonna run like the dickens when you come near me mm-hmm. and so that prompted me to approach james and say look this person is networking this way. He can't be the only one, and I gave away the heat. But anyway, they can't be the only one. I think they got that. To be, <laughs> oopsie, <laughs> the only one to be networking this way to the point where it's detrimental to their business. And so I approached you about running mm-hmm. a networking session to help people network properly. At which, I full disclosure, he threw me under the bus for doing the tap out on the hug thing. Yes, well, that was that was fun. That was yes, it was fun. It was fantastic. We had but like two hundred and fifty people show up for that. Not for that. No, oh, that, that was not the smaller for that one. one. Yes, right. No, that was the smaller one, um, where it was about twenty five people, which right. was which was actually really good because they then got to speak with you after. Yes, I remember that. 
any particular questions that they had, mm-hmm. um, and then we gave them the opportunity to then put into practice some of the things they had learned. Yes. They could then take that, long story, sorry, and apply it to the Social Fusion Network or any other networking thing that they were at and you know, almost double their success mm-hmm. of networking properly, creating connections. Because when you network badly, not only do people not want to do business with you, but it goes further than that, that they're not going to refer to you. Well, they'll tell their friends about you, so they're actually proactively yeah. undermining you. Well, and, and I don't know that they're... And they don't not, necessarily not from a malicious contempt, no, no, but not from malicious. But just it is what I. You know what? I met that guy, and man, he was abrasive, and he was this, and he was this, and he was this. Well, we all gossip. It's just human that's nature. Not, I mean, that's fact, right? Because you've had that. I don't. I don't view that as gossip. I view that as a almost a, a necessary service. I don't mean that in a negative way, but and I don't mean gossip you, in a negative way either. Actually, no I fair. Just, yeah. It's just that when you network badly and when you don't present yourself well, what kind of work ethic do you have? What What's your ability to produce? What are your outcomes? And, and are they going to be valuable? Or is that person going to be wasting their time with you? It's right? a, they're all valid questions and it's yeah. hard. And I mean, it's, 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 yes, sorry. It's going to, it'll come back. So the, the point, sorry, the point being that the Social Fusion Network not only allowed, allows employees mm-hmm. who have the party line to come in, but entrepreneurs to practice their pitch. And it was actually during um, an SFN Burlington meetup where I had said my pitch about At My Office Canada for the 600 millionth time. Mm-hmm. And a penny dropped about what my business actually was mm-hmm. and what I wanted to offer. And if I were to, you know, if I were to say to anybody about networking, that was probably the biggest gift. Other than, you know, my LinkedIn uh, connections exploded. I now have a ton of people that I can refer to that I trust because I've met them face to face. They've presented well. They've pitched well. Mm-hmm. You know, I can do all of that. But it really helped me talk about my business, which is a small business owner. Yeah. Is, well, is it, was, it was actually, I mean, if I was to pull the notebooks um, from the design of SFN, mm-hmm. um, that's actually something I wrote into it. Because mm-hmm. uh, one of the things I realized, I mean, at the very beginning, you know, full disclosure, I created the network um, mostly uh, to help local businesses connect because I'd been part of other networking groups and I won't name names. Um, but some of them were really starting to get on my nerves because they weren't actually... Um, they weren't actually doing what the membership actually wanted. So mm-hmm. they weren't evolving or adapting. So I left and took a little bit of time. And I thought, well, there's got to be a better way to do some of these things. And I re-engineered a slightly different approach. Well, quite very different. But one of the things I, I deliberately wanted to put in was because my new business starting in 2000 was um, really about helping individuals connect, communicate, and convert those relationships into revenue, mm-hmm. which is sort of my... My current mantra, you know, um, the three C's. Uh, well, yes, it's it's really all about um, turning relationships into revenue, which um, perhaps sounds a bit mercenary, but it's not really, because if you think no, about it's not it, mercenary at all. I mean, that's you know, you don't just connect with people just for money. I mean, it, you you do need to build relationships properly, and there is a sort of a path that you walk them through. Part of the problem when you work with clients is, um, if you're good at what you do, and I like to think I'm good at what I do. I accelerate results. If you're dealing with a client who sucks eggs at their communication, <laughs> let's just take example our unfortunate soul that Elizabeth bumped into, and I had worked with him, I would have amplified his incredibly bad message. You know, uh, obviously I wouldn't have done that, but my point is this. What I do and what I was doing was amplifying the, you know, the output the clients were actually creating. That's what advertising and marketing does on some level. So if, if you're really bad at what you do, I was going to put people out of business. I was actually going to hurt them rather than help them. Yeah. So I decided that they needed a place where they could practice their pitch safely. The Social Fusion Network has only ever had one rule, although I like to say there is a sort of an addendum to the rule. And the first rule has always been, not don't talk about Social Fusion Network, that would be Fight Club, but the... Um, for those, she's shaking her head now. She doesn't know the Fight Club movie, folks. I'm sorry. First rule of Fight Club, don't talk about Fight Club. Never mind. First rule of social fusion was this. Be nice. 
And if you wanted a second rule, it was see rule one. It was that simple. I wanted the environment to be warm, to be welcoming, and to be safe. So you could wander in, be a plonker, get your pitch, duff it up, and you know, you were only talking to one person at a time. So as long as everybody played fair and played nice, and, and most people do, then you had a great opportunity, as Elizabeth said, to practice. And if you were to speak to people that are part of the group now, there is an overwhelming sense that it is a safe, um, yes. classy, in yes. its own right, um, although I've been hearing that a lot in the last year, which I thought was really quite nice, because that one seems to be more of a byproduct. But I think that's no, it's not. It's not actually because you set the tone from the beginning. Yeah. And like attracts like, right? So you set it really clear from the beginning. This is not a dating opportunity. Nope. This is aggressive behavior will not be tolerated. And I know on at least two occasions you've bounced a few people. Yeah. That you respect the group that other people have taken the time out of their day yeah. to come and do this and and be respectful and that's that's to me that's part of being nice yeah. i have never encountered anybody you know knock on in 3 3 years i think it's been now mm-hmm. who's been rude well no, okay so except odd, for that one example that they're the odd, prompted is the old person you know, and but they come yeah, around but i mean yeah whereas i have gone to i went to one networking group and I got the one up and the one down um, from men and women alike and people who had been longtime members of this particular group stepped in front of me when I was trying to have a conversation with somebody from the staff. Um, I, I was absolutely gobsmacked mm. at the disrespect. And, and, and again, we're not naming no, it. No, it no. just it really set up for me. Because you were my first experience with networking oh. on a consistent bit. You were my first. <laughs> um, and it really, it really drove home for me the value that SFN brings in that capacity. I know that that wasn't supposed to be the intention of today, but I think no. it's it's turning into a good intention. So, anyway, mm-hmm. so the disparities are there. The yeah. differences are there. And yes, you're going to run into you know potentially jerky people no matter where you are, but. Well, I hope they evolve. You see, that's the cool thing about SFN. Everyone understands what the rules are, and the rule is simple. Be nice. And it's, a self, it's sort of a self-regulating group now. I mean, I don't even have to do too much anymore. I just have to you know, encourage people to be at a certain time and location, and everyone sort of knows what to expect. Well, they also know that if there's a challenge, they can come to you. Because I yes. know when we were at one of the events, somebody got a little into their cups, and mm. we were concerned about that person's safety, mm-hmm. so we found you. Um, and took steps to help that person with their safety. And I think there's that comfort knowing that we can come to you and say, look, this is what's going on. Because it does come down to your brand. It does come down to your name. It also comes down to just being a decent human being. I mean, if you're going to no, host... fair, but we want to make sure yeah. that, you know, there are people that have yeah. it may be those that, things. Yeah, I mean, I think perhaps that day they'd maybe mixed one too many with their meds or something. Or, yeah. Well, it doesn't, it doesn't matter, but it's, you know, it's the fact that and people know... And it was there was a lot of yes, mitigating factors, it but it's more that you've well, I do set give out damn. the confidence. Yeah, I mean, it's no. I, I care about everybody in the group. Well, maybe not you, but you know. <laughs> so they'll be, swearing, the be over. swearing once the podcast. Okay, so thanks so much for coming. No, <laughs> but I do. I mean, I if you're a host, I mean, it's, this is a okay. This is a little different. I trained for decades to be a serious business, you know project manager and technologist. I trained for decades to be a skilled writer. Those are two areas in which I excel. And four years ago, or five years ago now, I think, after the urging and pestering of my friends and colleagues, I become a glorified party planner. And I um, I must admit... I have to confess, like, Dame Edna came I know. It's, I, I'm sitting there one day going, oh my God, how the mighty fallen... I used to manage multi-million dollar software projects, you know, 50, And 60, now I'm Dave Magna. And, and now I'm... And now, Mrs. Bouquet. Now I'm organizing a basic, you know... You know Those are all British TV show references. Yeah, I know. And now James I'm organizing these, these um, you know, social functions. And um, the thing is, as much as it pains me to say it, and I'm not trying to sort of beat my own drum here, um, I'm actually quite good at it. And um, I'm surprised. I've surprised myself over the last few years because it comes sort of almost a second nature. And when I took last year, I took a big chunk of time off last year for some personal, you know, some personal time and a few other bits and pieces I need to deal with. 
I was really moved by the number of people that were were quite expressive about um, you know the fact that a I'd come back to Canada and, and b I'd actually rebooted SFN after taking some time to uh, to deal to with go some to Thailand. go to Thailand and revisit uh, you know meet my kids and meet my mom and do all those sorts of things that I needed to do so. So yeah, it, was, it actually uh, got me thinking because your your excitement over being Day Magna for Burlington, all or, right, mate. Or, what's that? All right, mate. Yes, um, or Mrs. Was, Brown. He's like an Australian, by the way. I'm I'm sure, but I think from now on I'm probably going to call you Day Magna. But anyway, well, thank you for that. You're welcome. Um, but it leads me into the next question, which is something that the focus of across the desk is to provide um, people who are potentially looking at starting a business or transitioning from an employee to entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Um, and what got me thinking about that is, you know, you've gone from a career in tech and then into writing and now into being, you know, the day Edna for Burlington. And that just really provides the evidence that not only is your first career your only career, but be open to opportunities and be open to the fact that, you know, the skills that you're gaining right now, because I never would have seen myself here. And what you you get stuck, I think, as an employee, particularly mm-hmm. when you're looking to transition. At least I know I did, and it may be easier for others. Although, I was told that my transition makes me sound like I'm going from male. Anyway, that's transformation. Thank you. That's probably better. We're transgender. Than... No, firmly girl. I'm good. Okay. okay. Love the transgender community, but firmly girl. Um, but my my metamorphosis from employee to entrepreneur. Mm-hmm was hampered by the fact that you look at your your development over the course of the years, as we've talked about with you. Yes. How do you take that and then apply it to something? So I find it really interesting. I mean, I know you and I have talked about that quite a bit, that you have managed to take all of those experiences. Because I know, for example, that like Dell reached out to you to have you review tech. Yes. And then you ended up writing. I mean, and as far as I know, that's still ongoing. People send you mm-hmm. tech. And because of your skills now with a writer and you're they known identif- to be a writer. Yeah, they identified me as an influential individual. Well, and that's like, your, your social media yeah, skills as IBM well. IBM has asked me. I get, I get called in. I get called by journalists from time to time. I get Because of a few reasons. One, I'm not afraid to go on the record making predictions and having an opinion. Most, no. Yes, mostly because if I screw up, folks... Nobody dies, and there's no large brand behind me, so they can go, "Hey, let's get that virtual character. He's interesting. We'll, we'll have him as the because uh, you the it is your brand, and it's nothing that you wouldn't say. Right. And that's one thing I actually very much respect about you is that for the most part, I would say 99 percent of the time, what you would say about somebody is something you would say to their face. I would say pretty much, yeah. I mean, I, I used to be when I was strictly corporate, I was a lot more um, how should we say packaged. PC. Yeah, it's very PC. I struggled with that because I felt it was rather disingenuous. I would agree with that. And when you become your own um, chief cook and bottle washer, you can... I am chief minion. That's right, chief minion. I am captain of my own fate. I will chart my own course. That's right. <laughs> Wasn't there an episode of... <laughs> man on... Yeah, man overboard. But, um, but now I... Um, well, here's the thing. I don't generally need to tell someone to their face that I, I don't necessarily like them or approve of them for, for a couple of reasons. One, I tend to avoid them in the first place. I'm not forced to deal with anybody I'm not getting a good vibe from. Yeah. And I do sort of you know, trust my instincts as much as I can. I mean, I, I, I live in my head and I try to trust my heart as much as you can. I mean, in business, you know, everyone seems to be trying to come up with the formula or the rules. And the, the funny thing I found is that there really aren't any. Other than mm-hmm. you know the basic stuff like spend less than you earn and generate more than you da 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 da, da all that kind of black what and white stuff. But when it comes to dealing with people, I mean, business is personal. It really is all about the people. It is all about creating relationships. It is all about uh, finding value and mm-hmm. adding you know um, being of service. I mean, you were just talking about how you come from one world into the next. The biggest handicap, if you want to call it that, that most employees suffer from is that they think their value comes from what they do. Versus who they are. It's not even that, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. my opinion, it's how you make someone feel. A long time Very ago, true. I was surveying my clients, and I thought they hired me. This was back when I was doing more tech. I thought they hired me because I was hot stuff, and I never screwed up. Blah, <laughs> blah, blah. And that was true. 
but I, I got to know some of them quite well and they became friends and I was having a frosty one one day and I said, so why is it? I mean, really, why me, right? Because mm-hmm. you could have hired some. I mean, I know there are other people that better know I do. Mm-hmm. There's tons of people better than me and there's tons of people not as good as me. I mean, no one's the best and no one's the worst mm-hmm. and you're always on an arc. Thank you, Eckhart Tolle. Yes. And they turned around to me and they said, it's a simple reason, really. And I went, oh yeah, what's that? They said, well, we feel safe. We know that the moment you say you're going to take it on or get involved in it, yeah. we know it'll get done. And we know we don't need to like, be watching over you. We know we just feel safe. I went, really? So the reason you hire me mm-hmm. is a feeling. And they go, oh, yeah, absolutely. We, you know, obviously, we checked the boxes. We made sure you knew what you were doing. But the main reason mm-hmm. we hired you and we continue to hire you is because of how you make us feel. And Maybe that's your pheromones. It could well be. I do shower regularly. Twice a day sometimes, folks. Um, <laughs> the, the, and I sat and thought about that. I would that. agree with that. But it's, it's the level what, of confidence. What, I shower twice a day? Well, no, I don't think about that. <laughs> not my circus, not my monkeys. It, but It's no, how you but, make them feel. It's, but that's very true. And it's... What was I, I was talking That's about why you could get these really, really skilled individuals who have the personal, you know, personal skill set of a pet rock and they're not hired. They don't get work. Mm-hmm. And then you've got Maybe these other individuals. Maybe, Maybe that's true, yes. But then you have these other individuals that are as dumb as a bag of hammers, but they're really charismatic, and maybe they know how to do enough to get by. Maybe that's not, not fair to say dumb as a bag of hammers, but not the most skilled. No, maybe they dazzle with BS. And uh, that's, well, maybe not even that. But, you know, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is... And that's not a negative to, to anybody, but no, that has always puzzled me. It's always about how they make them feel. Very true. If your personal ability to connect with someone is such that they can trust you and very quickly bond with them and make them believe legitimately so you don't want to be mis- misleading people no not never um, good in business because there are ways that you can uh, study neurolinguistics folks you'll learn how to manipulate people like a champ don't do that no don't do that but if you do learn it properly you will learn how to very quickly um, create connections with people and engender the right kind of feelings you want which will be one of the best things you can learn but if I may hmm, you may I may it's my show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but even if you have the NLP skills because what immediately struck to mind is even if you have the baseline skills to manipulate, what are you, exploding my head with your eye? What are you doing? No, no, no. You have the baseline skills mm-hmm. to control the conversation, to get the reaction that you want, what have you. If you are not genuine in your intentions, yeah, none of that will matter. Yeah. And that's what drives me bananas. And it, for me anyway, really separates the people that I associate with. Mm-hmm. If you... If your smile doesn't reach your eyes yep. when I'm talking to you, and what I mean by that is... You said eyes, right? Yeah. Okay. What did you think I said? No, never mind. Don't be dirty. <laughs> so if I'm speaking to somebody and I can tell right away that either they have an agenda yes, or there's something just fishy, I'm done. It's true. I'm done. And they can try and manipulate the conversation all they want, but I can guarantee you if, if your heart is not out there to serve people... And I don't mean that again in a no, no, no. wishy-washy way. But if you're in business, it's you're in business to serve people. Yeah, it's, 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 not, just... it's not all peace, love, and vegetable rice. It's, um, you know, <laughs> that, that's another Englishism. Peace, love, and vegetable rice, dude. I, you know, it is all about authenticity. And, and here's Absolutely. the fun part. You don't need to feel um, anxious or nervous because sometimes people find out that I've got NLP training. And they're like, oh, you're using it on me now. First of all, it's incredibly hard work to be using it all the time because you do actually have to be kind of present. But beyond that, we have the benefit of about 100,000 years um, of a built-in BS detector. Yes, and that's what I'm saying. Like, No amount of NLP will bypass the BS yeah, detector. Cognitive dissonance. You can meet somebody and they come off as slick and intelligent and warm and friendly. And on one hand, your body and, and your mind is going, yes, I really like this person. But there's this little voice deep down inside going, run away. Yes. That's your cognitive dissonance kicking in. That's the 100,000 years. You and you, the, yeah. When that disconnect happens... It'll be like your limbic or your yeah, reptilian brain going... The little bump at the top of your... Run away, you know. the occipital bump. That's the one. Yeah. And yeah, you just, you just follow your gut instincts and go, don't know why, can't put my finger on it, but I'm going to go get a beer. <laughs> <laughs> and not with you. <laughs> Correct. Um, and that's one of the questions that I had for James in, in my little list here was the, the pivot points. So we know about the pivot points because you're like a tech writer and all of that's now coming together to create the BFM and the SFN and all these acronyms that we can throw around. And so now that we know a, a ton about you and how you work and, and mm-hmm. what people can expect and why you've done what you've done, um, from a business perspective, um, what can somebody expect from working with you? 
be it in your Dame Edna role or um, Dickens role or what have you? Well, there's a couple of things. So, so the way I spend most of my days now, um, I work on creating... Um, I love working and helping with, you know, helping people, but I found that um, even if I work with one person at a time, there's only so many I can reach in a year. And mm -hmm. because I have a certain standard that I want to bring that person to, um, I've calculated that I can only help a certain number in a year. And that yeah. bothered me. So I made a strategic decision that I was going to... <laughs> Um, start d dealing with more groups of individuals, and I didn't want to do that live because it's real. Oh, this is the Udemy. Yeah, it's it's on my own, you know it's publishing. If you write books and publish info products and online courses and all the rest of it, then you're able to actually package up information and help more people. And so, I mean, I it's that whole writer, you know, speaker, publisher side of my yeah, nature. But that also addresses learning styles because you. Well, it has to be fully multimodal. You have to touch on all different learning styles. And while I do enjoy live speaking, and I am available for hire, um, and I... <laughs> shameless plug. Shameless plug. Um, uh, and I do enjoy um, live events, which is why I run the networking events. I like being able to produce quality solutions. I mean, I like to think, you know... Uh, that are reusable too. Yes, then. and I like to package them at a price point that a small business owner can afford. And I... You know, uh, I like to make sure everything comes with you know, money-back guarantees. I like to make sure it's consumable when... So what type of... Because we, well, we, we've only got about five minutes left. Yeah. So, but, so give me like three top topics that... Well, right now there's a few... I mean, I've got to think about a dozen different courses and books and things floating around on Amazon and Udemy mm -hmm. and a few other platforms. Um, the ones that are currently the biggest sellers for me, uh, perhaps not terribly uh, shocking, are me teaching people how to use technology and how to... Um, learn things in business. So I teach people mm -hmm. social media marketing. Um, I teach people how to think, not necessarily monkey see, monkey do, because this is a moving target, folks. And if I taught you how to hit something exactly, in the moment it changed, you wouldn't know how. So I teach what I call practical tactical, which teaches you how to think about a solution. Um, I teach about Evernote, how to use Evernote efficiently and reclaim, you know, quite literally dozens of hours a week. Um, it's a mixture of the getting things done strategy to um, um, you know, task management. I teach people how to uh, use technology and communicate uh, for creating ebooks and marketing. So this all goes back then to your um, mantra of maximizing productivity. It's all about productivity. It's all about using technology and tools to free yourself up so you don't have to work eight hours a day. Um, it's all about giving yourself permission to do things intelligently. Mm -hmm. um, it's about connecting you and, and allowing you to start forging those relationships because at the end of the day I want you to have the time to do the things that you enjoy doing and, and for me I okay, I enjoy goofing off I enjoy eating meals I enjoy going out to restaurants and, and socializing playing and playing with you know, playing with my puppy from time to time Which and I like photography and so I mean I, I, my schedule and the way I work is I do my best work in the mornings I, that was actually one of the best tips you ever gave me. I block out my time. I work, I get up in the morning. I don't have a particularly hard commute. It's, you know, dodging the laundry is usually about the hardest thing I have to get to. Mm -hmm. Into the kitchen, get myself a tea or a coffee and plop myself in front of my computer. And I work for about three to four hours uninterrupted. Then I go and have a shower and then I get cleaned up and then I start my day with business meetings and callbacks. Yeah, but if I don't do anything else for the rest of that day, if I truly choose to play hooky and goof off, that I've, put a I've solid done four hours. all my work. Yeah. That was one of the best tips you gave me, and we've got about two minutes left, where you said, um, find where you're at your most creative, most productive, and use those to work on your business. Creative you're, and productive aren't necessarily the same time frame. Very very true. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. so you have to identify that for yourself, and, and I am most creative, actually, very first thing in the morning, mm -hmm. and depending on how the day's gone, sometimes I get a burst at like 10 o'clock at night, which isn't great for sleep, but mm -hmm. I now focus more in the morning. So I now try and block that time, at least a couple of hours, to work on my business before I work you on my make client your, stuff. Yeah, you should make yourself the most important client that you have. I actually have a client file for me. I make appointments with myself. We have conversations with myself. It's really quite interesting at times. <laughs> You're fired. No, I'm not. Um, I'm serious, though. I do. I have. I block out time for myself. Yeah, and that's and hard I, as an entrepreneur to remember to do and that. I respect the fact that I am my most important client. 
All right, we're gonna wrap up. And my last question for you, which might take longer than two minutes is, what are you most proud of as a business owner? A um, couple of things actually. Um, straight line ego, uh, me, the things I've done, it would be um, the, the triple back-to-back best-selling Amazon you know, published books. When I, I started taking my work and publishing them, I figured mm. out how to knock it out. That's Meetupology. Yeah, that was Meetupology, Evernote Exposed, and Niche Surveyor. Um, oh, I haven't looked at that one yet. Niche Surveyor shows you how to actually find out what people truly want, because they won't tell you what they want. They'll be polite, even worse in Canada. Spice Girls just came up in my head, yes. but anyway. Don't tell me what you want, what you really, really want. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Um, but beyond personal ego, the thing I guess I'm most proud of, which is, again, it comes back to this sort of this, this whole journey I've been going through for the last four or five years, and that is actually building the networking organization and bringing thousands and thousands of local businesses together, not costing them a red cent, and having hundreds and hundreds of testimonials on file about how it's made them lots of money, mm-hmm. lots of friendships, lots of new relationships. Um, it's probably... To date, one of the things I'm most proud of, and it was the thing I least wanted to do when I started. Well, Dame Edna. I know. Yay for you. Yay. Yay me. So we're going to wrap up with that, which is fantastic. And it it took a little turn, which I've quite enjoyed, which was the networking thing, because that is such a high value thing for businesses to, uh, to engage with. I have a fluttering eyelid here. So thank you very much, James. And You're most welcome. I've thoroughly enjoyed myself. Yay. Well, we don't plan to suck. Um, they can find you at? jamesburchill.com. Um, so that would be J-A-M-E-S-B-U-R-C-H-I-L-L.com. And you can find everything else just from there. Or just type my name into a search engine and um, you should be able to find me. pop up a lot. I pop up all over the place. And then the Social Fusion Network, people register through Meetup. They can go to, the, they can go to socialfusionnetwork.com and join the mailing list, which will then also give them the opportunity to bounce over to Meetup. And it's meetup.com slash the social network. Uh, sorry, the social fusion network. And we're going to have all of this. This is going to be um, at the end, so you can click and go and what have you. But thank you very much, James. And this has been Elizabeth Plouffe and James Birchall for Across the Desk. Have a fantastic day. Bye-bye.